Welcome to the Literacy View. Here we are for our third episode. And this is a hot topic among educators. We are discussing this evening running records. So prevalent in thousands of schools across our country and maybe even abroad. Okay, so Faith, why don't you kick us off? Right. So just for people who um, are unfamiliar with running records, it's an assessment where um, the teacher is using leveled books or passages that are leveled and the child is reading aloud and the teacher is marking um, the types of miscues that the child makes based on a system that was off the three queuing of meaning, structure, and visual, MSV. And we're going to talk about uh, tonight how we feel about the use of this assessment. Uh, and if it works along with um, phonics and what we know of now about the science of reading. So, Judy, you want to jump in? Sure, let's do it. Go ahead. All right. So, you know, I'm still in the trenches working in school. So I see a lot of what's going on. And there's still tons of running records in those classrooms. And there's also right now a lot of Acadians data being collected by schools at the same time. So what I see right now is an influx of tons and tons and tons of sources of information coming in. And they don't, both these sources of information don't provide exactly the same pieces of information. So right now I see definitely lots of data collection, lots of listening to kids read, lots of Acadians testing, which is the science of reading testing, lots of level literacy testing with those running records. Um, there's ORF going on in Acadians, which looks like a running record, but is a little bit different because it's um, it looks at the speed and the accuracy of reading, but with less of that MSV stuff going on. So there's a lot of action. So this is definitely a hot topic and I can't wait to jump right into it. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say as well. Well, you know what, I want to say that 30 years ago, I was a um, strong proponent and I was a teacher trainer for whole language in our district. And I really believed in the three queuing system. So 30 plus years ago, where a student comes up with, they, they don't know the word and they come up with a word that they insert that's meaningful in the, in the text. And then they are supposed to be able to comprehend. But after teaching, as I mentioned in another episode, for many years, I realized that the queuing system doesn't work. And it, it doesn't, it does, it's not based on what we know, what they learned in the 1980s from brain research of what, how the brain really learns to read. This came from Ken Goodman. It was kind of a newfangled idea where he was talking about psycholinguistics. Um, but, you know, does it make sense? Does it sound right? Does it look right? When I have students now who are in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and when they don't have the cues, 
it's very, very difficult to decode more complex texts. So they must have the strong foundational base. So why do we need this assessment at all? So I, I think that goes back to what we're going to talk about tonight. What is the value of a running record? Is there value? Is it just more information? My point of view is it shouldn't even be there because if we're saying that three queuing at this point is a debunked idea, right? It, it, we know that science tells us that, um, you know, the queuing is not evidence-based. When we are testing for this, we're assessing for this, even if we're not teaching the cues, think about that. If even in a school where we said, okay, no more queuing, we're not going to teach it. Right. If we're assessing for it, the assessment gives the idea of informing that type of instruction. So I think it's very confusing for a teacher because, you know, they're getting information about, um, you know, uh, phonics, decoding, phonemic awareness, and yet then they have an assessment that they're giving that's based on something that takes children's attention away from the word to look at other things. So why do we need this? Judy, I see you are ready to jump in. <laughs> so as you all know, um, I have extensive training for the last five years in the science of reading. I'm a foundations expert at this point. I could confidently say that. I'm also in training for Orton-Gillingham and letters training as well. However, I'm a little bit more in the middle. I see value in listening to kids read. And for me, a running record, is it an excellent tool at all times? No, it has a lot of problems. But being able to listen to a kid read and see them problem solving at point of difficulty is a very, very powerful thing. So that I could see, okay, I've been teaching them how to slide through a word. Are they doing it? Because when you're doing an ORF, which is the Acadians, it's timed, it's one minute, it's so fast. You don't have time to really do that kid watching. And what the nice part about a running record is it's not timed. You could listen to a kid. You could hear if that they're sounding phrased and fluent. Are they sounding robotic and choppy? And there's also some rich conversations that take place, not at the lower levels. Listen, at the lower levels, there's a lot of problems. The kids see the same book 75 times sometimes. Another problem is that they attached running records as a compliance tool rather than as a tool to help kids. I get that. So is it a perfect tool? No. But do I still see value in listening to kids read and seeing how they problem solve? I definitely do. And the other point that I want to make is I think the foundational skills are in the core of my soul and in the core of the work that I'm doing. And even I can say myself, I have almost 99.9% .9 shifted away from having children use picture clues to solve, you know, words. However, meaning is still at the core of what our ultimate goal is. And to be able to see if a child is able to, you know, integrate meaning when they decode, I think that's really important. And maybe I could compromise a little bit and shift it from an MSV model to make the V first, 
but I, I could see, listen, it could take away from instructional time. Um, sometimes it goes on for like a month and then kids lose, you know, te teaching time. Um, we could also get a lot of information from that or very quickly too. But is it a tool that has to be thrown out completely? I don't know. I, I believe it should be thrown out completely because it's super confusing to parents. So when I talked, so in, in, in school districts, they have a band. So if you're reading at a second grade level, they should exit second grade at the level M, right? Right. right. But the parents have no idea what that means. We listening, listening to a child read aloud should be part of everyday practice. But as a teacher, and I'm, I'm hoping speaking for many, many teachers out there, when you're doing a running record one-to-one -one and you have 20 plus kids, as I mentioned last time, in the classroom and that you're trying to manage them while you're listening to them read. So it's different when it's a literacy coach or a support person, right. but in our in our district, the teachers were mandated. Right, it's a big difference. If it's a reading specialist and you have a lot of time, that's a very big difference, whether you're a classroom teacher that is wasting a lot of instructional time. I 100% agree with that. And, and making the, it a compliance tool is also very problematic. Now, the unfortunate thing is that they attach teacher ratings to that. That's actually kind of like a little bit sad because that's not really what teaching reading is about anyway. It's about helping those kids. It's not about you know, attaching it to a rating. Well, you know what? The other part of it is that this is left out of the whole three queuing system, but associating symbols and sounds, kids that learn that phonetic approach with symbols, syllables, excuse me, syllables and sounds, they, research has shown that they permanently embed it into their brain neural networks. Where when they're guessing or they're looking at context, and as Mark Seidenberg said, they they probably if they're using context clues, they're looking at a sentence and they don't know two or three words in that but sentence. But when we're thinking about meaning, it's not only looking at context clues; it's about making meaning from you know all the pieces sources of information and understanding what you're reading, and that is an important thing. But okay, but I think. What you said before, Judy, is very important. We have to separate a new reader from an experienced reader. I think when they're older and their decoding is solid and you wanna understand what they're doing to process information, that is very different from using a running record with a first grader who is supposed to be learning to make sound symbol correspondences early on solid. And then they're being told, but wait a minute, meaning should always be at the core. Like if you look, the balance in this is really meaning first. And even the way it is, MSV, where basically the letters are given low priority. We could shift that. We okay. Could shift it. Okay. But wait a minute. So you could shift in everything. But in the end, we do not want kids skipping words 
and coming back and does this make sense? It will well, make what's wrong about thinking does it make sense? It's an when important they're first learning how to No, when they're first learning uh, no, but you know what? At a, at a certain point, if a kid is confirming that they slid through the word and it makes sense, that is a beautiful thing, right? But if they're doing this to does this make sense, they could be anticipating right. the word based on what the book is right like chimpanzee versus monkey right that just will make sense to them based on the book so my feeling is if you really want to start using some type of assessment for older kids who really are um, able to read the words on the page maybe it doesn't make so much of a difference, but we know that's not how it's being used. It's being used K1 and two for these early beginning readers. Right, and, I, and you know what, Faith? You know what, I'll give you one thing. Some of these oh, thank books you. That I, I'll give you one thing, I'll give you one thing. Right, so, so myself recently, I was working with a kid and I'm like, oh my goodness, this book is ridiculous. It's a level C. Mm-hmm. And the word in the book that the kid had to get was the word knives. Now, why in the early levels would you put a silly word like with a silent K at the beginning when they haven't even learned that in phonics yet? And the kids kept going, knuck, knuck, knuck. Oh, and right. But you could say that right. about a lot of these words in those level books. Right, that was ridiculous and the kid didn't get it. And so he remained at the level C, unfortunately, because he didn't get it and he didn't use the picture to figure out that it was knives. And I didn't want him to use that picture, right? We don't want that. So yes, are there problems? Yes, but the two of you, my friend Mary, my friend Faith, <laughs> I've been going on my very deep decodable journey. So you, you guys know I'm in Orton Gillingham training right now as well. So I have all my um, Orton Gillingham decodables, set one, set two, set three. I'm going to give it a shot with those lower level kids. But you know what? I guess, you know what? But look, they also give, wait, no, that's the wrong paper. They also give the decodables, which I was actually very interested in a one-page format. You probably can't see it here, right? Mm-hmm. So that could be great for shared reading for the kids to see stuff. No picture on it, guys. Are you proud? Are you proud? <laughs> <laughs> Other fellow literacy coaches um, mentioned something. She's like, Judy, that's interesting. Can we use this decodable text as a running record? How do you guys feel about something like that? Because this is a skills-based document. What do you think? Hit it, ladies. I, well, I go ahead. I don't want. I to. think absolutely, as long as the skills have been taught to the student, you know. And the running record. The other problem I have is complete waste of time. Right? We're you, we're gobbling up hours and hours of classroom instruction by administering one to one when you have many kids in a class. But also, it doesn't really give you much information, except it makes principals and teachers and maybe parents feel better that they know what the level is. But when, when, when my students would go to the local library and say, I'm reading a level L, the librarians had no idea because they used the Lexile system. Right. So the running record, when you take a look at its... Uh, it's what it produces, what its yield is for 
for parents and learners and teachers. And parents love it though. I'm gonna be honest with you, parents, even as the science of reading is moving to a neighborhood near me, parents are still very, very attached to the level. They're having a very hard time letting go of those levels. For them, it seems meaningful. It's something that they feel they can grasp and they feel like, oh, thank God my kid made it to grade level. Whereas if you say, ha, ah, your kid made it to the art control, is that going to mean as much to them? Because well, they don't know, and that takes education. I mean, I, I think that that's what they're used to. And I do think, yeah, it might be fine for the parent who has a reader, but it's not fine for the parent who, it it's terrible, oh, my kid is a C, my kid is a B, my kid right, is a it's A. it's like labeling, it's like it, labeling. It is labeling, and, it, and it's meaningless. So I'll have parents who will call me and start talking to me in levels, and I will say, that's meaningless to me. That doesn't tell me anything about what a child knows right. and doesn't know because it's all based on cueing. And it's all based on the idea that reading for meaning early on is the number one thing that is necessary. Even if a kid is reading inaccurately, it listens to what, in other words, the inaccurate um, word reading. Some kids could get past. Can you give us an example. Faith, give yeah. us an example. So, in other words, let's say they're reading a book and they understand the book because the pictures and the storyline is very simple. Right. And they're making errors all over the place. That child in a room where that's valued, oh, but he's making meaning. And it's not you know, looked at as, wait, this could be problematic later right. on. So I think it leads teachers and parents into a false sense that the kids are doing better perhaps than they really are. And then all of a sudden, when those pictures are taken away, you know what happens. They, they can't keep up with the reading, they can't, they just keep making things up. Maybe some are- I think that's a very general us. statement, but that's not for all cases. But you know what? I'm gonna make this really, really important point. So when kids are taught the cueing, they're plugging in words though, that are already part of their vernacular, their vocabulary. Okay, so okay. give us an example, well, Mary. No, no, no. So then the kids that are taught phonetically and they're learning sound symbols, sound syllable types, they learn to decode and therefore they learn new words. But when I was teaching whole language back in the day, and I say, pick any word that makes sense in that sentence, they're going to pick something that's already from their, their, I their haven't heard things. people say that in a very long time, not where I am. I, I could tell you it happens all the time, Judy. So I could tell you with students. I mean, I saw sprinkles of it and it makes me cringe too. So I'm going to tell you, I'll give you an example. If a kid is using, and I've seen it too, just what Mary said. If a child is sounding out a word that is a word that is unknown, a real word, it's not a nonsense word, a real word, but it's not a word in that child's vocabulary, that child begins to doubt himself or herself because it's unfamiliar. 
And even if they know how to sound the word out, they try to change it into a word that they already know because they're getting the message they should be reading for meaning. But meaning to them is meaning that they already know. So I definitely have seen now, that. Now, what if, what if, what if the shift really goes towards the visual, meaning the word, and then you still use the running record, looking to see if children are shifting in terms of sliding at point of difficulty and problem solving. You know what, Judy, what I like, what you just showed, I love that you have the decodable text. And if those skills have been taught, you use that instead. First of all, and then you can ask questions of comprehension. But it doesn't questions. hurt. Listen, yeah, and it has the comprehension questions right on the bottom, which I appreciate also. But I don't think it hurts listening to kids read. Oh, no. I'm all for that. that. Right. Guys, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. So I'm somebody who used to love running records. I used to, like, carry my running records and sleep with them and carry them in the morning. (laughs) Now I don't do that anymore. However, there's something that really does bother me about running records. Can you believe it? Tell us. All right. So this is what's happening in a lot of classrooms near you. A lot of people are doing it for one reason and one reason only, compliance. And they're not going to the hard level, which is the level of frustration. And they're getting one instructional level when in fact the kid could have four instructional levels. They might get a 92 at level G and then at the next level and the next level. And what that tells me is that a lot of our students unfortunately are also being under instructed, which is something that drives me absolutely bonkers. And it breaks my heart also that sometimes I'll see a kid at a C in the beginning of the year and I'll come back in after and again, they're at a C. That's also not okay. But That's also not okay. No, it's not okay. And I agree with you that children, there are many children out there who could read something much harder than the level that they are assigned to at the moment. Right. I don't think you need a running record. No. For that. That's, I think that's, maybe that goes back to the heart of what we're talking about. That I think the running record and the whole leveled idea, actually, and I think I said this before, so I don't want to repeat myself. It misses the top kids and it misses the bottom kids. Both. That it really is not um, specific enough. Right. And, you know, and it's not sensitive enough. And those are the two aspects of a really good assessment that it should be specific, right? To be, be able to pinpoint. But I still think it's important to listen to kids read. And oh, yeah. Yes. Totally and you're listening to the kind of mistakes that they're making, that's powerful information. Right. And are you going to get that from an ORF when you're doing the cadence? Well, no, but you know what, and you know what, I'm a Wilson certified practitioner. So I listen to kids read every time, every time, every day. But the other part that I want to say is that when kids are focused on the first and last letter, that's what happens in phonics. That's a stage, right? But with the cueing, because they're told to focus on the first letter, look at the last letter, they end up, it becomes a, a cesspool that they end up in, but that's a long time. But that's it's not a stage. But that's teaching. So let me give you another example of what I saw this week. There's hope. There's hope because the science of reading is coming very quickly. 
um, in a lot of parts of the United States, and I'm proud to see it happening. So I saw a teacher this week um, working on a level C, but we are also taking Acadians data and seeing how we could implement that into seeing what gaps there are for those children as well. Guess what a kid at level C was able to do when, we, when, when he was sliding at points of difficulty, guess what he noticed? He saw a vowel team. He made the connection from what he saw in foundations. So that's telling me, you know what? He could probably produce a lot more than we think. And he is, he or she was oh, making that connection. That actually leads me into something important. Once kids are taught a lot about phonics and about how to really read through a word instead of around a word. That's right. They start teaching themselves. It's incredible. Right? So right. all of a sudden they're able to do things that maybe they weren't explicitly taught, but you cannot expect that. And it goes back, I'm gonna say it again, using this for kids when they're just learning how to read sends the wrong message. I really feel it sends the wrong message and it's just more testing. Lot, I'm all Judy for having kids read out loud. Yes. I'm all for them oh. reading out loud, but to mark cues, just remember what it's called. It's called a miscue. So it's- Well, a miscue means a, a mistake. It's looking at the mistake that the child made and trying to based, figure out- based on, based on something other than the word though. In Why? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, but that's what ends up we're looking at. But and it could also help you see if you're instructing in a way that is helping support looking at the word. But are we, so this begs this question. So it begs the question, are we teaching enough decoding skills so that kids don't make those miscues? Right. So and the transference is a big big thing that needs to happen more. A lot of those kids are seeing phonics in isolation and they're not being shown to transfer those skills or that those, those things, those skills exist in books and they do need to make that connection and see it. But the thing that we have to realize is the world is not perfect. And a lot of those teachers that we're talking to today they don't really have a choice. That's still happening in their buildings, right? Absolutely. So let's talk they, about they that. So what talking we talking about teachers choosing. So what should they do? Well, so, okay, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Faith. No, go ahead. I'll let you go first. Okay, <laughs> so, so, so I, you know, I'll, I'll do the call out each episode. I call on principals everywhere to eliminate running records in your school. It's a complete waste of time. It, you should be, every teacher should be listening to students read aloud, but it, it, it's, it's not the kind, if you're doing science of reading, like Faith said, and you're trying to dovetail it with running records, those two things don't, it's they don't dovetail. So, so what can you do instead? I love your idea, Judy, that you just showed, and people are probably going to want to know where that came something from. something I'm starting to think about. So that's what they can do. In, in, in level C, in levels, I, I'll go back to the decodable book episode. And in levels A through F, those kids should be reading decodable books until they have the phonics skills down solidly. I think you guys are a little bit more rigid in your beliefs than me. 
Well, because a little bit more flexible. And I came from a place, Judy, I came from a place where I was wildly Ken Goodman, whole language. Let's make meaning. For me, it's not attaching myself to the, to, to any particular scientist or something like that. For me, it's really about watching those children. I have a very student centered approach to the work that I do and the foundational skills are core piece of that work. However, I'm not as rigid that I'm going to say it's this way only. I can get it in the low, low levels. Those well, low you know, levels, those and I guess, and I guess the reason why I'm, I'm pushing it so hard now, pushing it so hard now is that I work with students across the country whose schools have failed them. They have failed them. And, and by and large, these parents can afford private tutoring, very specialized private tutoring. But if I, this is what I believe, if we get all of our public schools in the United States to do, it's not rocket science. We just teach the foundational elements. Almost every kid will learn to read. And maybe we won't be saying some kids are dyslexic when they're not because I am working, I am also very student-centered. I work with students all day long. Um, and I was a classroom teacher, as I've mentioned. So I, I've done it both ways. Yes. And I am seeing the results. I am seeing the results of whole language and balanced literacy. And I am, I was a part of it. Yes. And I believe it's educational malpractice from my point of view, because there were kids that I left behind when I was such a whole language nut. And, and I, I mean, what you just said is my story too. So, uh, you know, when I started out, I started off also being trained in whole language. You know, my story is out there in my book, Failing Students or Failing Schools, A Parent's Guide to Reading Instruction and Intervention. And I wrote that book and it's, partially a memoir really, because it's my experience being as a classroom teacher going through a system where I was expected to use these types of strategies that we're talking about using the observation survey or an early literacy um, profile. Um, you know, so that ELP, I used all these things, Judy, that you're mentioning, I am completely familiar with all of it. I used it myself. And those aren't the only tools I use though. No, no, I, I'm not saying you. I'm right. just saying, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying right. I've used all those things that we're talking about. And from years of just seeing what kids now are able to do when they're given the correct instruction, I would have to say also the running records it really, like any other assessment, it, assessments are there to inform instruction. That's right. And so if we're saying yes to running records, what we're really saying is yes to balanced literacy. It's, I mean, it, it's, where do you draw the line? That's where the balance is. We're saying that it's okay to do these things. And if it's not okay, why are we testing for it? I don't, I, you know, I don't get that. If, if people are saying, I don't teach that way. No, I teach kids to pay attention to the words. 
then why would we have to test to see if they are making miscues based on those things? I just don't understand. Can that. I just jump in? Please, yeah. So there's one additional concern that I do have, even as my journey into science of reading, this is my life, this is my soul, foundations, data trackers, Acadian's data, nonsense words, looking at the oral reading fluency, that's my life now too. A tremendous piece of my life. My only fear is that people are going to think that there's one pillar of importance, but we know that there's actually five pillars plus writing. So for me, it's very important to not just think about phonics. I have to, you know, when I'm working with kids and when I'm working with my teachers, we still talk about phrasing and fluency. And I don't want to wait till they're a, a totally, you know, a fluent reader that uh, knows our control and silent. For me, it's okay to, to have that oral language experience earlier. Oh, yeah. And, wait, one other thing, one other thing. <laughs> and my other fear is that the pendulum is going to swing so hard that we're going to have a generation that's great at decoding. But, not but, you, know, but you know what? So, Judy, so I'd like the record to stand straight just from my perspective. So this is where I am. We must teach decoding really strong K yeah. through two. Got it? K through two. We but does wait. that mean that you don't read aloud the miraculous journey of Edward so Tulane? That's you reading it aloud. That's more. That's yeah, that's and that's okay. You know why? Because the kids are hearing the oral language, but they also need to speak that oral language. And little kids need to develop their oral language as well. Well, right, right, right. But but this builds vocabulary. It builds background knowledge. It builds it builds it helps kids that don't have this background and build it. Yeah, and, and so so decoding is. I'm only for it, Judy. I'm a I'm a voracious reader and always have been. And I so can tell I'm, you have a lot of books behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I've read every one. Try pulling one of those out for us. We want to see. <laughs> yes. But you know what? So the kids, when they're working with me, with Wilson, we're bridging the gap. So I have one boy in Chicago who's reading this book. And, and he's using assist, like an audio assist, but they are, we are reading real books because you have to, I agree completely. You have to have those five pillars, but with balanced literacy and whole language, guess what we, plus writing, plus, plus writing. writing, but guess what? In balanced literacy and whole language, I skipped over the whole phonics piece. And we did teach foundations in our district. And then we were doing balanced literacy but it was such a mishmash. It yes. was so watered down That's and right. people would skip it or no, it even... has to be a priority. I, I will agree with both of you a thousand and one percent. So that. I say get rid of running records to close with me, get rid of running records. If they're, they are in K through two, they should be reading decodable passages, answering comprehension questions, uh, identifying vocabulary. They should be scooping. Wait, but wait, 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 wait. But you said it's okay when I pulled out my little decodable reading passage. You're okay with doing a running record that way? Totally. Yeah, because if they're not, because so is this, this is a new solution. Yeah, you know why? Because guess what? I had to off-road it when I was finishing my teaching career in the classroom 
because I so didn't believe in balanced literacy that I would have kids read decodable texts. I would ask them comprehension questions. The so problem is- Wait, what, how do you guys feel about shared reading? That's a big part of a lot of balanced literacy classrooms. Well, shared reading is- long maybe, as Well, wait, let's maybe save that for another episode. Yeah, okay, Faith, jump in. Okay, so you mentioned fluency, that you want kids to work on fluency. I think there's a difference between hearing a fluent reader mm -hmm. and talking about a book than expecting a kid to sound like a reader before he's ready to. You know, the kids are going to struggle through when they're learning how to read. It's hard work. When they are learning to decode, a new reader is not going to sound fluent. So we're, you know, that child then has to pretend. So how to, long are you gonna wait, Faith? I'm gonna wait until that kid could read the words before I'm judging fluency. I'm not going to judge a so, kid on fluency so you're gonna go if they can't read the words clearly. So you're gonna go maybe through 30 or 40 skills until you target that? No. When I'm saying no. What I'm saying is you could work on fluency and oral language in other ways other than having a kid read a leveled book and pretend. I didn't say it has to be leveled, but even if it's a decodable, you don't want a kid sounding like this is. Uh, when when they are learning how to read, that's a reality. They but are. That's very hard for kids too. Oh, yes, yes. This is what, but so here's a low level where we're teaching yep. fluency. You, where you have to two. teach it. You have to so, teach it. Oh, God. So you all agree. A lot of why food. not teach it earlier rather than later? See, what, not I like what Mary's showing. That's what I use, Mary. Okay, that's, well, wait, that's part of it. But that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying before you can even get to bringing words together in phrases, kids are going to sound shaky. I go back to being an adult and learning something new. You're not going to be fluent in something that you're just learning. I mean, I would love, when I started learning ballroom dancing, yes, I would love to look like I'm dancing with the stars, but that's not the reality. You are shaky, you are th overthinking until you practice and you bring this to but I'm gonna, But I'm going to take it a step further. So if it was a little hard and they finally problem solved or she finally problem solved correctly, why not go back and reread that sentence in a more fluent manner? See, when you say problem solve, even the word solving, so, you know, word solving. Well, okay, the impression the that you're decoding, decoding, other decoding. things other than reading. Okay, I'm going to change my language to make everyone happy. Okay, you know what? And the kids, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no, Mary, this is important to me. This also needs to be isolation. Say if a child decoded a sentence and it was very blah, 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 blah. But then- Read it again. Read, read it again, it. how? How? What do you a mean little how? Answer, right? Maybe you'll sound a little bit better the second time, right? That's okay. So I'm saying that's a teaching tool. So you know what? They're getting through it. They're trying to sound out. Well, now that you know how to push those sounds together, read it again and have it make sense. Exactly. So see, we agree more than we disagree. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying leave them in this sound by sound stage. That's not what I'm saying at all. Anyone who knows me knows that that's something I'm crazy about. Not to leave a kid in that stage, but I'm saying it's natural when you're teaching something that, of course, a brand new reader is going to say sound by sound until they bring it together. But when they're in books that don't allow for that, they have no other choice but to use everything else to be able to read. And that's why I think it's detrimental. I don't think that test should even be part of you know, looking at kids. I just don't. So kids should also have to read words in isolation. So, and then they should also be reading nonsense words in isolation. So if you want to get, so if, if my proposal is to get rid of running records, they would have to read sentences that they scoop before they read it aloud. And then I'm, I'm listening for their fluency. I wanna hear kids read real and nonsense words in isolation. See, I don't think, I don't think new readers need nonsense words. I don't think a K-1 needs it. To test them, yes. I don't think they need it because all words to them are new. Do you That's know what I mean? True. It's not like they've had years and they've memorized a whole bunch of words and the only way they're going to break a habit is with nonsense words. I think they need I, both. I, I think K and one, two even, like as they're learning, truthfully, if they are new to reading, I don't think they need it. If you want to assess them, that's a little bit different. For older kids, Yes, for sure. I mean, but when I have a kindergarten kid who's just learning to read, every word to them is new. So, you know, I don't think they need that as much. Be that as, as it may, certainly when they start to read multisyllable words, it's a series often of nonsense words. So that's part of the teaching as well. So my feeling with this, yes, they always should be reading words in isolation to see if they truly are reading. I've right. said this in my books that I've written, it's a way to assess, it's a way to teach. And then when you bring it to connected text, they should be practicing what they're taught. So like Mary said, if they are just learning to read, they should be in decodables. Save the other types of books, for kids who could read anything, give them anything they want. They don't need to be in leveled books at all. Just give them anything if they could read, you know. And, and they do because these kids that have learning differences with dyslexia, I mean, they are all, they're all reading a different book. So we've gotten past the decoding that was so problematic, but when they come to a word in Edward Tulane, um, for example, lullaby they can break that into syllables and they know the sound symbol correspondence so they can figure it out but lullaby might not be in their repertoire so they might say song but instead they're now learning a new word because they know phonics and that's, that's, and that's exactly what I was saying even last time that instead of pulling a word from what they already know, if they read the word first, they can always find out what the word means after. Then you look at context, 
So, you know, I posted something about this recently. Anita Archer said, we should be looking inside the word and work out. So first the word, then we start building out for the context to help support and it. And I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay with that. In my professional practice, I have shifted um, to looking at the word as the first course of action. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know what? That I can tell everybody, I totally agree with. And I hope that you classroom teachers do give that a shot looking at that word as the first course of action, because, you know, I, I will say that a lot of kids have developed bad habits. A lot of kids have relied on pictures for too long. And then you see these kids just looking for a picture and like anything. Yeah. So please, you might still be doing running records tomorrow. You might not, but just at least, please at least shift away from that. Have them look at that word. All right. So I think that's a lot of information. So let's, uh, Wrap this up. So last words. Last words. Go ahead, Faith. All right. So I guess my final thought is if you must um, administer a running record, because as we said, we know that teachers don't have a choice, but if you must administer a running record, please take it for what it is. You don't want to start looking at these miscues that come up and start trying to help kids to read with cues like, you know, skipping the word or trying to just look at a picture or a first sound. Don't let that assessment inform your instruction. If you have to give it, you have to give it. And maybe you could just look at it, trying to get a window into maybe how they're processing information. Maybe, I mean, again, I could think of other ways that would be better, but if you have to give it, make it a secondary type of assessment, put more weight into um, your CBMs, you know, looking at, um, you know, those finer assessments and phonemic awareness. When you say CBM, what, what are you referring to? Curriculum-based measures, okay. sorry. Um, you know, like just really looking tightly at, you know, your, your nonsense word assessment, your real words, your phonemic awareness, your oral reading fluency, and maybe just try to get a sense of maybe how they're thinking about this, if they could even get through it. If most of it is just guessing, then there's your information. It's completely inappropriate for them. That's how I would use it. Okay, Judy, would you like to go next? Sure, so for me, don't ignore the science of reading. It's an important, important piece of the work. If you're still doing guided reading out there, which many of you are, Make sure you start thinking about the science of reading and how you can incorporate that data that you're possibly collecting from sources like Acadians. And at the beginning of your lesson, maybe you're going to be working on those CVC words. Maybe you're going to work with Elkonin boxes and sounds of letters and words. And um, just don't ignore the science of reading. Think about the key strategy should be looking at the visual, meaning the word and decoding and not just looking at the initial letter and getting your mouth ready. There's a lot more letters to look at and it's time we stop ignoring those other letters. Okay. 
Well, I think that because we have so many people in America that are low literate, we can we need to completely disrupt literacy. And so I'm calling out administrators to really educate yourself and what the science of reading really is. And um, I know that the, there are some laws in states where people are going to have to get 18 credit hours, but I believe, I, I don't even believe there's a middle ground for running records. I believe that they should be thrown out. And teachers, unfortunately, because I was caught in this system as well, and I had to give the running records, but we were also assigning kids grades based on their running record level. And they were beginning readers. So I just, that's completely um, untenable. It's, it's not right. So I, I think if you're doing the science of reading, you cannot be incorporating running records. Um, I think that there are many other assessment measures, the curriculum-based measures, um, some of the things that Judy showed, but I say, toss them out today because they're confusing and they do not give you specific targeted drill down information. Beautifully said. Beautifully Thank said. you, ladies. And a lot uh, to think about, right? A lot to think about. A lot to think about. But I have to tell you, Judy, what's great is your perspective in being in the schools and realizing mm -hmm. how hard this shift is. It is not an easy shift. And I just love watching even how you're thinking about it now in terms of your own practice. And so there are so many people out there who are caught in the middle of this and really not knowing, well, what am I looking at? And how do I... But I do have to give credit. I think teachers are looking more carefully. They're thinking more, more deeply and they're really, really paying more attention to those foundational skills. So I wanna send love to all those teachers out there. You know, I love you all very much and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Okay. Good night. Good night.